Well, hello and welcome. This is the Spiritual Exercises Podcast. I am Rachel Amaday. Thank you for being here. What a pleasure and a gift. Um, it is Monday, November 14th of 2022, which is crazy to me. I can't believe it's almost going to be 2023. I can't believe how different the world is today than it was just a few years ago. Wow. Um there's been so much to review, and I hope that this podcast has helped encourage you in the Lord, maybe educate you on what's going on in the world, and perhaps how we can think about those things biblically. And um, and I hope that if you haven't read my book, that you will consider grabbing it. If you have read my book, I would love an Amazon review. Those reviews help the al- algorithm recommend the book to other people that might be looking for the type of information that I have in there. That book is all about where is the American church, where is the church in the West missing the boat when it comes to doctrine? What are we missing from scripture? What are we not doing that God is calling us to do? And where are we not repenting? Um, Um, And it also talks about so many modern issues and maybe how we can think about those modern issues through a biblical worldview. So if you're interested, uh, it is out and it is available. Uh, If you want the book, I would recommend getting it through me. You can head to rachela.bandzoogle. That's band, B-A-N-D-Z-O-O-G-L-E, rachelay.bandzoogle.com, and you can order one through that site. And if you do that, then I'll be able to write you a note and sign it and get that out to you. Okay, let's get into what has been on my heart in the last weeks. And it is uh, a concern for, and by the way, I have now heard some of my favorite teachers. I've been researching for this podcast and thinking a lot about it, some of my favorite teachers have started talking about this as well, each from kind of different angles. And it's the lack of belief in God, even among those who call themselves believers. I'm really concerned about the lack of confidence I am feeling and seeing among those who say that they love Jesus and they follow him. There seems to be almost a lack of belief. It's like we're losing our heart. We're getting so caught up in what's happening in the world that our faith is is maybe being crushed a little bit. And I can understand this. I go through this, right? We go through phases, ups and downs, where we really know that we know that we know that God is God and he's got it. And then we go through times where we're questioning, but it doesn't even feel like we're questioning. In some ways, it feels like we are teetering on the brink of despair or disbelief. And I know that That sounds kind of harsh, but if you actually sit down and think about what was happening in the church that we is described in Acts, you know, that particular time period, so many miracles, people were walking in the spirit. They walked the walk. They talked the talk. They knew that God was with them and they could face torture and fire and beatings and death. They could face jail time. They could face whatever they needed to face because they knew that the Lord God Almighty was with them and in their ministry. 
And the word of God spread. Not only that, but the church, they took care of one another really well. And it was very obvious to those outside the church what was happening in the church. They were unbelievably generous with each other. I don't know if I've seen a large-scale move like this in the last few years, despite there being great opportunity for it. In a lot of ways, we've turned on each other. And my, you know, when I started writing the book I wrote, it wasn't because I hated the church, the American church. Yes, I get angry with the church in the West sometimes because of the doctrinal fallacies that get (laughs) preached constantly that, that I think lead people astray. You know, my people perish for lack of knowledge is a verse in the Bible. I believe knowledge is an important route to knowing how to walk and and who God is. But I didn't write the book because I was angry. I wrote the book because my heart has been broken for what is happening in churches across the country and across the West. My heart is breaking for people who are suffering and they feel like they're suffering alone. And my heart is breaking for people who are losing their hope, losing their faith, losing their joy. Man, the loss of joy has been really, really obvious. And so how do we come back? Well, first we have to admit, hey, we haven't done everything right. And we love God. We want him in our lives. We invite him in. But do we really believe in the power of God to change our lives? Why aren't we seeing that life change among more people in the church? Why why are we finding that in the church, rates of porn addiction, rates of divorce, rates of division seem to be almost as high, if not just as high, as what you see in the world? You know, why are we seeing miraculous life change? And we do every once in a while. You know, I actually know a person who's had miraculous healing from cancer. You know, I know people who I feel like God has given me tools to miraculously heal or miraculously do things. I know this happens. But do you ever just wonder, why is the church seemingly having less and less impact, seemingly becoming smaller and smaller in the West? And perhaps we're not seeing the life change we're looking for. When, listen, I talked about spiritual gurus a couple of weeks ago. The spiritual gurus are doing a better job training up the people that they train to go out and do amazing things in the world than the pastors and believers are. They're taking advantage of natural laws and natural principles about joy and peace, and they are doing a better job handing that joy and peace to their followers. That is a crime. We are the ones who know the God who created all things. We should be the most confident in what we believe and who we believe in. So today, I wanted to remind you of why you can have full confidence in the Lord. And we can talk about our confidence in Him and maybe a different perspective, you know, than I usually discuss on our relationship with God, because truly I believe relationship with God is about obedience, but there is no point in being obedient to the Lord if your heart is not in it. But first, I really want to talk to you about the prophecy given in Ezekiel that came to pass in 1948 when Israel became a nation again, when the Jews received that land back. That is a direct prophecy. Okay. There are so many prophecies that Jesus fulfilled. 
from the Old Testament in his first coming. But sometimes it seems very far away, right? It seems so old. How could you ever confirm that all of that stuff actually happened and it wasn't changed later and, you know, that scrolls weren't changed later and and on and on and on. However, we see that scripture far in advance of Israel regaining its land. Scripture told us it would take place. And hopefully I'll remember to give you this link. Um, Not only that, but scripture told us the exact year it would take place. And we can go back, hindsight is 2020, and we can calculate all this, looking at different prophets, Jeremiah and Ezekiel, and, and adding up what those prophecies were. But it is incredible how detailed God's prophetic fulfillment is. So every time I come across people, and in the article that I'm going to link talks about Sam Harris and Sam Harris demanding that you know we show biblical prophecy that's taken place in the last century, you can. It actually happened. And so we can be confident that when the Bible tells us something is true, it's true. We have a firm foundation to stand on. So I would encourage you to read the article that I link. No, it's not like a normal news article. In fact, it's a really random website that I found. But I found the discoveries in it very interesting. And some of it I already knew. But um, whenever I find these sorts of kind of detailed biblical analyses that show you how God is working things out, it's worth, hey, Read it with a grain of salt, but it's fascinating, okay? Um, The next thing, here's a verse that I think is coming true right in front of our very eyes. 2 Timothy 3, it says this, but mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying its power, have nothing to do with such people. Well, I don't know about you, but right seems wrong and wrong seems seems right in today's vernacular. And this list of, of character traits of people in the last days seem to perfectly fit our generation. Now, I know everybody has said this, right, about their generation. Oh, our generation is so wicked. And people have always been wicked. And so that has been accurate. But there's a couple of parts of this that I think are particularly interesting. Um, Self-control being one, we seem to have a huge lack of self-control in our culture. And it can be most easily seen on social media where people say things you can't even believe. I mean, you would never say these things to someone's face. And yet there they are online doing so. The um, unbelievable increase in violence uh, across many of the cities in this country, including the one that I live in, um, we ha- we seem to be seeing a lot of people who love pleasure more than anything. Their pursuit is pleasure at all costs. And I have to take note of this that I think, you know, the boomers, rightly so, have to receive a little bit of flack for this. I think that when we look at what's happened economically and spiritually and socially, 
the people who now run a lot of what happens in our country came from that particular generation, and they've run the economy and society right into the ground. And it was because they were pursuing momentary pleasure, momentary desire, not thinking about the next generations, having a lack of self-control, having a love of pleasure rather than a love of God. But I really want to analyze this last verse, this last part that I discussed, or that is in 2 Timothy 3, verse 5, having a form of godliness, but denying its power. When I look up godliness in Strong's, it says things like devotion, right? Obedience, having a form of these things, but denying its power. Power there is miraculous, um, you know, denying its efficacy, denying its miraculous nature, so what is this verse really telling us? Well, I think what you're seeing in the end times is a denial of the power that comes when you walk with the Lord in obedience, denial of the power of God to design your life, a denial of the power, denying God the power to direct you, okay? Obedience is not powerful in people's hearts any longer. Well, that's, gosh, that's for real, isn't it? When I look across so much of the church of the West, I see a denial of the power of obedience. In fact, a desire to kind of pretend like obedience isn't a big deal, to pretend like following the laws of God have no power, that the real power is just how you feel about things and and it's just in the spirit. And I think the problem is, yes, and I'm about to talk about this, yes, the Holy Spirit is all the power you need. The problem is, the Holy Spirit is going to direct you into obedience. And so if that isn't happening, are you listening to the Holy Spirit, number one? If you're disinterested in what God has given you, his letter to you, do you have the Holy Spirit? Because the Holy Spirit is going to direct you into the knowledge and wisdom of God and how to walk out the life that he wants you to. And in that walk, there is so much power. And it's not power for you to receive money and fame, although that might happen. It's power for you to have the ministry you're called to, to bless those around you, to love and lead your family righteously. It's a power that is different than the power that we're often seeking, but it is a power. So later in 2 Timothy 3, it states that these people are, and I quote, always learning, but never coming to the knowledge of the truth. Wow. And that is also our society, is it not? We have had this worship of those who have the highest level intellectual skill or highest level um, degree. We kind of throw our resumes around uh, using faulty logic as a way to convince people that our reasoning is accurate. That's, by the way, a logical fallacy. I think it's called appeal to authority. Um, The idea that you're the authority in something means that your idea is correct. That's a logical fallacy. It might mean that you have a good idea, but you have to test the idea, not the person. And yet this is where we're at. We are living in the midst of logical fallacy after logical fallacy. And the idea that people who are always learning, I'm one of these people. I'm obsessed with learning. I love learning about the Lord. 
But that doesn't necessarily mean that I'm fully living in the knowledge of the truth. So I even have to be careful and make sure that I'm not worshiping the knowledge instead of worshiping the God who gave the knowledge. I have to make sure that I am in relationship with God, not in relationship with the intellect that I'm seeking. And this is kind of a strange place to be because you think, gosh, if we're pursuing more information, then we're in pursuit of the Lord. Let me ask you this. I've been talking about the kitchen table time I try to have with the Lord every day. I sit down at my kitchen table because that's oftentimes the least chaotic place I can find um, with kids and dogs and everything else we have going on here. And try to have conversation, just have a conversation with him. Just let him speak to me. Do you know that the Holy Spirit will impart to you wisdom and knowledge that you would never, never get otherwise? If you Googled a million times in a day, you would not receive the information that the Holy Spirit can impart to you. That's just a fact. And it's a fact I have experienced time and time and time again. But we do live in a time where people are learning and they're running to and fro. There's a prophecy that the people will be running to and fro and will be gathering lots of knowledge. We live in an incredibly knowledge-filled time period. We have access to more knowledge and information than we ever have. And we are busier running around trying to gain that knowledge and gain more money and gain more knowledge so we can gain more money. We are in a constant state of stress and survival mode even when we don't have to be. Those prophecies are happening. They, we are seeing that happen live right in front of us. And what I think um, maybe there's so many teachers teaching about heart right now because God is saying, hey, listen, you've got to remember, you can't just count on your ability to seek out knowledge. And I don't know why that is. Let me, let me give you maybe a few examples of why this could be. I'm just guessing. Number one, God may be asking us, to leave behind our technology. There might come a point where God says, you need to disconnect from the Babylonian system, meaning you've got to stop trying to learn everything from them. You've got to stop getting all your information from the Babylonian system. Now it's time. And if, think about this, if we have not been practicing how to listen to the Holy Spirit first and foremost, this will be like torture for us. This will be so hard. We will not feel like we have any leadership or any direction, but God might want us to do that. And so we need to not just go for intellect and knowledge. We need the Holy Spirit's wisdom, the actual truth right? There, the, another reason might just be we're losing our heart. You know, there, I feel like we've got churches on two sides of the aisle. We've got churches who all they, they're so obsessed with accurate doctrine that they, they forget to actually have a heart, you know, care for people, love on people, make sure you've got money for people in need, make sure you're listening to the Holy Spirit directives, be willing to take a risk and take a chance, like maybe have longer worship sessions, you know, maybe change things up a little bit, listen to the Holy Spirit's direction, you know, so we've got really maybe rigid churches on one side. And then on the other, we have churches who are in some sort of a free-for-all, um, you know, everything is emotion. It's, it's just what you feel. It's what sounds good, which is also, by the way, 
ignoring the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit's leading. And the reality is in all of that kowtowing to political correctness or making everybody feel good, we're also losing the heart of God. We're also losing our heart. Our heart should be towards righteousness before the Lord, right standing with him so that we have good relationship. But again, there is no point. There is no point in in going after righteousness and going after obedience if you are not in Christ. Because what the Bible kind of tells us is that if you don't have the Holy Spirit, if you're not actually in Christ, which means you are in his body, you are connected to him, the law, trying to follow the law, will destroy you. It will crush you. It will judge you to death. When you are in Christ, when you have his spirit, when you're seeking his wisdom, it is then that doing the law becomes a blessing for you because there's no point in pursuing it without relationship. Jesus makes this clear. No one can come to the father except through me. He is the law. He's the living, breathing law. And when we have his spirit, that gets written on our hearts as he is in our hearts, right? We are the temple of God when we are connected to God. And that is by his spirit, by his covering, by his blood, we get that access. But if we are not in him, it's just a pointless activity, a pointless exercise, But I really believe I'm seeing churches do this. I'm seeing churches deny the power of not only obedience to the Lord and relationship with the Lord, but deny the power of the Spirit of God to change lives and to change directions of churches and to build the church. It is God who does all of that work. And we deny that power all the time when we take it upon ourselves, when we act like we're God, when we think that our ideas are better, when we forget about that time and that relationship that needs to be spent. And that has become easier and easier to do. It's been easier to forget about these things as society continues to progress. But this is the second Timothy three is a real warning for us. You know, don't be taken in by the idea that your spirituality is solely based on your knowledge. Everyone believes, right? Everybody believes this. Everybody believes that knowledge is the way to, you know, a greater spiritual life. But this just isn't really the case. Without the spirit of God, all your knowledge about his laws and principles is destructive, right? And the Holy Spirit can impart to you exactly what you need in the exact moment you need it without Googling and researching and and seeking more knowledge. He can do this, right? The Bible is clear that it's your heart he is after first and what he has imparted to you, the believer, through his work on the cross and his resurrection is unbelievably powerful. I want you to take away two things today. I want you to understand that we are seeing, and we have been seeing in the last hundred years, prophetic things happening. Okay, there were red heifers sent to Israel a few weeks ago. This is gigantic because basically the um, the concept of the red heifer in the Old Testament is these. this was the sacrifice that was used to cleanse 
from death. To, and it had to be done before the temple could be used, before the Levitical priest could, could do their temple duties, their priestly duties. This sacrifice had to take place. It is why the Orthodox Jews have been looking for the red heifer and have been trying to get this sacrifice done for so long because the temple can't go up. It can't be useful until the red heifer sacrifice takes place. Now we know there's a prophecy that in the end, the Antichrist will come and he will end the daily sacrifice in the temple. Well, in order to end it, the daily sacrifice has to at first be taken place, like taking place every day. And it's not because there's no altar and no temple right now. But I have heard too many people say this. The altar is already built. The temple is already built. It's underground. It's waiting to be put up. And the red heifer, which the, the prophecy, or the, well, it is prophetic, but this sacrifice, it had to be a perfect red heifer with no more than two hairs that were a different color than red. This, uh, this, beast was observed for three years before the sacrifice. No yoke could be put upon it. Um, and there were five, I believe, that went from Texas that they think are perfect like this just a few weeks ago that were taken over to Israel. Now, they're, they're not three years old yet. They're going to have to wait and watch and, and do all these requirements in order to be according to the Old Testament. But I believe, and I listened to a great teaching today, we don't the red heifer sacrifice if you if you study it there are so many similarities to what Jesus did on the cross and and the red heifer sacrifice was the only sacrifice that dealt with cleansing from death you know if you were exposed to a corpse this was the only thing that could actually immediately cleanse you were the ashes of the red heifer sacrifice and so this well it it's it's what Jesus did for us right he cleansed us from death. He saved us from death. He saved us from the law of sin and death. He nailed death to the cross, right? And he was that sacrifice. And so we have this spirit of God in us as the temple. We are the temple. But whether you fully understand that uh, or, or fully agree with my interpretation of that or not, Having the sacrifice take place in Israel and having that daily sacrifice get set up again, that will be an unbelievable fulfillment of prophecy. And listen, when this happens, no matter what you think about what's happening, you know, you can say, we don't need that and that shouldn't be taking place. However, do, I, I think the Bible is very clear about this. Do not speak against the temple of God. Listen, the Antichrist is going to go in and do enough of that already. God, it's it will be the fulfillment of prophecy when these things take place. Give praise to God because you will be living in such interesting times. I mean, a little nerve wracking, but very interesting times. We're seeing these things happen today. Look how amazing your Bible is. Look at how incredibly accurate your Bible is. These people are doing this. You know, the, the people in Israel, the, they, a lot of them know. They know that they're fulfilling prophecy. They know that this has to take place in order for the temple to go back up again. They, under, they, they, they do. They know a lot about this. They understand it. But most of the world doesn't know. You know, most of the world doesn't really understand just how prophetic and just how detailed these things are taking place. And we get to see them happen with our own 
eyes. I hope this is exciting to you. So again, I want you to leave with two things today. Number one, your Bible is accurate. It is true. The God who wrote it is the God you can have full confidence in. You can know that his spirit is true and that what he is doing is powerful work to redeem and bring back his whole family. This should give you more confidence and more joy than any other piece of information that you receive. Number two, don't forget your heart. Don't just rely on the knowledge that you were seeking. You must learn to hear the voice of God and put your full confidence and joy in him. Give your whole heart to him. Let yourself be at peace. Let God give you shalom. I don't know what you're facing. It might be a mountain, but by the power of God, he moves mountains. He does. I was considering the verses in scripture where Jesus says, by your faith, you have been healed. You have got to believe in the God who moves mountains in order for the mountain to be moved. If people just had the faith of a mustard seed, right? A tiny amount of true faith can change everything. I'm working on that level of faith. I'm asking God to help me in my unbelief, to bless my belief, to expand it, to multiply it, that I might not only walk in his ways and and rid myself of even more of the darkness, but also that I might do his work and his work powerfully in his name and give him all of the glory. You can be confident that God's word is true and you can be confident that God has the power to rescue you wherever you're at. If you have any needs, if you have any prayer requests, please feel free to reach out. I hope you've enjoyed this. Let's, you know, share information. I would love to see what you guys are paying attention to, reading, learning, um, how you are growing, or any encouragements you might have for the rest of the listeners. I would love to share those things. I will be back until next time.